Hey everyone, before we actually start the Cat Pick Friday show, I have to mention that we talk about the possible Cat Pick Friday's anniversary in the intro of the show, and there I say that it's uh, still a few weeks away, a little bit of time away, and I just checked and it's actually wrong. The Cat Pick Friday's one-year anniversary was on 5th February 2022 so what a journey it has been i'll have to probably do some sort of eulogy whatever the thing is you do when you remember the good old days when i started to do the cat pick fridays at my kitchen table and yeah it's been super cool journey the show has evolved quite a lot from like me babbling about different things in different places around our apartment to an actual podcast show with i'd like to say fairly high production quality and stuff like that and can't wait to see what year two brings to this thing but yeah more on this in next week's cat pick fridays thank you so much and also let me know what's your favorite thing over the past year for those who have been following this thing for a while but now to the actual cat pick fridays show let's go Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays, episode number 50, a weekly show that brings you latest in guitar and music industry news. And first of all, I'm Vlad, and once again, I'm joined by my partner in crime, transparent overdrive enthusiast, and the man who was ripping on yesterday's Blue Guitar live stream. Rich, are you the new Lenny Kravitz? Because you were playing Lenny Kravitz. Yes. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> Unlikely. Sorry, you changed the intro, so I, I got confused. I, did. I also thought for a second you were also bringing on Thomas Blug as a last-minute guest because you uh, no, referred to someone who was ripping during the live stream last night, and I thought, that can't be me. But actually, we did play a pretty good rendition of Are You Gonna Go My Way? It was, it was really good. It and was Thomas really good. more was, than me, like, which, is, which is nice. I mean, you are, like, secretly... Way better than you kind of let let people know that you are like you are a really good guitar player and you should showcase it even more. <laughs> Just gonna say like all the like riff stuff and everything you were doing in that song was like really really good. So well done. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun show, uh, fun episode, and um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I think I should do more stuff like that, but other times I just think, nah. <laughs> there's enough guitar players out there who who do the 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 Whitley stuff i just like to play riffs yeah well you played those riffs and those small lead lines really really well so i was yeah i was actually surprised as well that thomas wanted me to do that because at first he said well we had the discussion it's going to be show 93 what song should we play and we always go back to oh what music came out in that year and 1993, that's a bit late for Thomas <laughs> and a bit early for me. <laughs> so it's kind of like a, a, yeah, an era when neither of us was really into it because I was a small child and he was, uh, I don't know, his musical tastes ends before then. Let's, let's call it that. <laughs> and so we were looking online and I suggested Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana. And that's not Thomas's thing. He's not really a grunge guy, as you know. 
And then he yeah. suggested a song by um, Duran Duran. And I was like, isn't that like a synth pop band? And he said, yeah, but they have a song called Ordinary World, which apparently has lots of guitar in it. And I listened to it and it's all right. And then we found that Lenny Kravitz did Are You Gonna Go My Way in 93. And that's a bit of a guitar anthem. I've never played it before. Yeah. So I started to learn the the main riff down at the bottom end of the fretboard because normally Thomas is up there and I'm down here. And mm. then he said, no, you do the high octaves. And I said, why? And he said, because it's easier. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so that's what we did. But it was quite nice. So yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was a cool start to the show. So well done. I was Thank you. really like, I, I just happened to tune in and you guys were ripping there. It was beautiful. What's also beautiful is the fact that you guys keep watching, listening, liking, sharing, subscribing if you enjoy the show and you have a guitar friend who also wants to stay up to date with the latest guitar news, developments in the industry and such. Please consider sharing this show with them. That would be much appreciated. And as always, this show is available both on you on YouTube with the video option, obviously, but also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. And as always, there's timestamps in the description because we're going to cover so many topics. Uh, you might want to jump to certain ones that you find the most interesting. But obviously, the hardcore fans listen all the way through from the first second to the very, very last. And if you're one of those fans, let us know in the comments section down below in the YouTube comments. And oh boy, we have many topics to cover as well. It's been it's been an update week. And what I mean by that is that there's so many modelers that have received significant updates, starting from the Line 6 Helix series, Cortex has a major update. Most GT1000 range has a major update. Headrush has major update. And with all of that kind of related, Harley Benton just released a G112A FR cabinet specifically designed for these type of models as well. And it looks really cool. We're going to take a look at that. Uh, we've found out some sad news about Line 6 DL4. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, Kirk Hammett has announced his first EP, which is interesting. There was a cool article about Ingwie Malmsteen where he talks about his influences and then there's a super, super cool clip of or like actually like a full album online where he's 15 and holy cow, he can play at, at the age of 15. I was like barely able to play like Smells Like Teen Spirit at that point, I think. And yeah, that Gretsch 2022 lineup, solo Blood Splatter finished guitars, a couple of pedals as well. We got an, another list by a good content providers from Music Radar. This time it's called Best Guitars for 2020. And it's, Whoa. I checked, it, it's not a random number, it's 20 guitars. Amazing. Actually, I would have probably gone for 20, 20, 22 guitars, but that's just me. And again, some killer comments and questions from you lovely viewers. By the way, if you want to have your question answered, you can ask us on YouTube com comments on the Catpick Studios, sorry, Catpick Studios Elites Facebook group or email us at podcast at catpickstudios.com. But without further ado, I think it's time to talk about all the things that have happened la lately, not lately, but recently in recent happenings.
Oh yeah, let's get going. I'm going to click the button so you can see us as well. As I mentioned, Line 6 adds new amp, new effects to the Helix line, and a lot of my friends have been buzzing about this. I'm also seeing a lot of videos on my YouTube feed about this. 3.15 patch, which above all introduces a new amplifier in the form of Line 6 Ventoux, or Von is two. it French? Ventoux. Ventoux. You know it's some a French, mountain. so... I know that because ah. it's one of the big mountains that they cycle up in the Tour de France most years. The Mont Ventoux. I guess that's what it's named after. Oh yeah, he says it in the quote there. Oh well, yes. I, I knew that anyway, but there you go. <laughs> well, for those who are listening to the audio, audio version now, you know. Uh, do you know what the amp it, like? Somehow I cannot connect which amp it is that they're it's, modeling. Well, I've, I've looked into this. I've read the article before and I've read what line six have to say about it and it seems like it's what they call a unique amp circuit i mean it's still based on two different amplifiers it's based on an orange amp and a fender if i remember rightly so it's based on a mm -hmm. mixture of two amplifiers yeah it's based on the early 70s orange circuits and the mid wattage fender tweed circuits so it's kind of a blend of those and it's their mm. take on a a boutique amplifier, they say that many boutique amps are based on old circuits, and this is their take on two other old circuits which aren't in other amps. So this is what the Von 2 is. And he also says, the designer, a guy called Ben Adrian, that all of the knobs are effectively gain controls. Which sounds interesting. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cool. Uh other part of the updates, it's uh, the Helix native software now supports M1 chips on Mac. That's a significant update. There's a bunch of pedals in here as well. Actually, have a tab open here where there's like the release notes of everything. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, there's even a picture of the Vento. <coughs> looks like I a guess, digital. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't look too exciting, but maybe it sounds great. It doesn't, oh. does it? Yeah. Uh, Just to be clear, Vlad, yes. you have the Line 6 Pog Go. I have recently yes. also been lent a Pog Go. I take it yes. that although the Pog Go has the Helix effects and stuff in it, none of these Helix updates will be available for Pog Go users. No, Pog Go seems to be a slightly independent thing. Yeah, well, probably okay. some of these will kind of uh, leak to the Pog Go update as well. But yeah. maybe not all of them. Okay. I'm guessing. So, so effect-wise, yeah. what have we got? We got Ampex, and they're using the name Ampex, which means they probably partnered with Ampex to actually... Yep, we see the official Ampex logo there. there. So it, yeah, yeah it must that be is licensed. really cool. Uh, yeah. I like that. There's a Heliosphere um, delay, which is... Uh, that's that's a Line, line 6, 6 original. original yep. It's cool. Uh, ADT double tracking tape emulation. So is that okay? Oh, double tracking. I wonder if you could. Oh man, could you do like something similar that you can do with the two notes Capture X, for example, where they're like the left and right channels are like slightly delayed, so you can do like double tracking with that. Seems so. Double tracking tape emulation. I need to find out more about that one. I I find that looks really interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, crisscross uh, delay, tesserator, 
Tessellator. Tessellator. A lot of options on that one. Then something, diagrams, something, something too complicated from my brain. You can find this link in the show notes if you want to check it out. And yeah, bunch of reverbs, delays, shimmer. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah. Also, legacy effects now, they added some stuff to legacy effects as well. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, Yeah, it is kind of silly that a big update for Modella is such a significant news, but I think they've sold so many Helix units over the past five, six, seven years, however long it has existed, that it is actually major news. So, yeah, definitely. Nice. And yeah, something. uh, I think what I also heard from friends that. They tweaked like when you adjust the gain or like any parameters parameters with the rotating knobs on the unit, they change it so like the faster rotate, like it's easier to go from like one hundred to zero than it used before because you used to like have to really really rotate those to get from like hundred to zero or vice versa, and now it's like should be easier. A minor tweak that can remove a lot of annoyance from a lot of people. Yeah, cool. And yeah, we're not going to dive into known issues in (laughs) 3.15. But yeah, if you want to like really dive into all everything that has happened in this update, links in the show notes. Cool. You're still getting like, if you bought your Helix five years ago, you're still like getting a huge amount of value for your money because you can just update it and it's even better now. Nice. We'll keep our eyes open and ears out. Something like that. I don't know how that saying goes, but I'm interested when some of this stuff will be updated to the protocol as well. Yep. I Are you feeling a bit left out though? Because I kind of am. Just a tiny bit. Uh, no, because I don't own a Podgo. <laughs> I mean, if I did, maybe I would. Because this is a lot of stuff. But yeah, you know, I, I'm still firmly in the camp of I have an amp and some pedals. So all yeah. this, for me, is still quite a mysterious world that I don't understand. And just going down this page and seeing those massive diagrams and stuff, it makes me think, wow, it all looks quite complicated. I guess I'm scared. Yeah. I'm old and I'm scared. of the yes. <laughs> Terrified of change. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, I kind of... It, it, all of this stuff kind of gets me excited. And then again, I always remember that it's like a digital unit you need to tweak on your computer when it, and that it immediately is less fun, at least, I'm going to say. And from one modeler to other, Neural DSP adds a looper to the quad cortex with an update that is really, really cool. I didn't know it didn't have a looper just yet. But yeah, I mean, yeah. what you've just said is one take on it, and what I've seen around the internet is the other take that finally they've put a looper in it after it being promised for so long. But yeah, great yeah. news for people who have the Cortex. Having a looper is, it gives you so many more options. You know, a lot of people practice with them. A lot of people use them for performance as well. Mm. And it seems to be a very well thought out and a good functioning looper with lots of lots of different options. And I think yeah. four minutes and 44 seconds of loop time, which is a, yeah. a kind of cool arbitrary length of time <laughs> it is like it's not as cool if it's 445 for example or 43 no I, I wonder if there's a reason why they went with that 
Yeah, that's a good question. I'm sure someone. Uh, speaking of, speaking of that, I saw Rabia had his like a Q and A, or I think it's called Ask Fro. <laughs> he has his Q and A series, and he demonstrated he he's obviously worked with uh, Neural DSP for a while now, and there's like a freeze type of function. Basically, you play one chord, and then he had like programmed on different food switches where there's like a kind of ambient pad created from that chord and chord and then you can like pitch shift it and he created like a jam where he was switching different chords on using the foot switches on the quad cortex and basically like just jammed all it and it sounded fantastic got me really really excited about this unit that does sound cool yeah uh i'm gonna drop a link in the in the, 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 the show notes as well i'm gonna just write it down before I forget because yeah it was really cool it sounded amazing like kind of made you a one man band so that's cool um, nice yeah it's been kind of a s- slow rollout for neural DSP shipping issues it takes time to develop the software as well but seems like they at least got the hardware right and then you can just push the update so that's cool yeah exactly yep yep Mod updates, boss adds effects and Bluetooth to GT1000. How do you add Bluetooth? I mean, like, this has to be a hardware support for that. <laughs> but but only yeah, now you can operate? Weird. This is really weird. So it has, like, hardware Bluetooth support, but only now you can actually use it? What? Yeah, I'm guessing originally the, the first shipments, you know, they had the technology built in. Mm. And now you can actually use it, or is it? I don't know. But that, that's Seems what the article so. says. Yeah, this is very strange. But hey, I wonder if it was advertised. It now. I wonder if it was advertised before as saying that it has Bluetooth. It's just not ready yet, or if they just didn't yeah. tell anybody, and now they're surprising people with it. Which would be a nice surprise, I guess, for for lots of people. But I, I guess so. Yeah. But plenty yeah. more other stuff as well. I, Mastering effects, new delay yes. types, more onboard speaker IRs for recording, more mic types, more different little things to twiddle with in menus. Yes, and knowing Boss, they have all the options on the student, yeah. like all the options. Yeah. Which could be great for a lot of people, so why not? Yeah, I've heard great the things cool about thing the like, GT1000. Yeah, and the cool thing is like this applies both to the big GT one thousand unit and the GT one thousand core, which is like a more like a three foot switch smaller yep. unit, which apparently is also super powerful. Cool, nice update. Lots of updates this week, and we're not done with the updates because Headrush adds four amps, four effects to its pedal board, kick board, and MX five floorboard modeling units. Everything is updated this week. Nice. There's a four-channel angle powerball head. And since I'm mentioning angle powerball, are they actually working with angle? Is it actually called angle powerball? That'd be cool. I'm guessing not, because they refer to it as being inspired by. Ah. But they call it if they call it the powerball, I mean, maybe they are working together. Yeah. If I if I would be I don't think you could call it the official name if you were not working with them. I, I think so as well. So, 
Nice. Nice. Um, I've seen a few, like there's been a few interesting videos on Andertons comparing the Headrush units to the Helix units. I, I wouldn't say they are like f fairly made in a way because some of the stuff they do kind of clearly favors Headrush and sometimes clearly favors Helix. But as we've talked about before, the IRs are the ones that make such a huge difference. And unfortunately, these Helix units don't ship with that good built-in IRs based on my experience with two different Helix units I've owned. So, okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's interesting. Just looking at this article, there seem to be a lot of new models on there, all inspired by specific <laughs> kind of industry standard devices. And I'm guessing that Headrush isn't working with them because they do say inspired by, but inspired by the yeah. dark glass microtubes, a new Octavio Octave Fuzz, inspired by the, the Dunlop tube amp like overdrive courtesy of a boss sd1 emulation a setting called the d250 drive which is the digitech overdrive 250 mm. um so it's like this i'm assuming is all inspired by but not in official partnership with yeah i think it's it's just music reader being able to write what those things actually are because that's something that people are going yeah. to search for anyway yeah and uh, Cool. And since we talk about all of the modular units, Harleven then just released something that a lot of modular unit owners might want to get. A G112 AFR cabinet. And GNUs.com ask, did Harleven make perfect cabinet for budget modelers? It sure looks like one at least. Uh, yeah, it basically has like a 12-inch woofer a compression driver, or also known as tweeter, and FR stands for flat response. So it's not coloring your sound. You are basically sending the signal from your modeler into this unit, and it kind of replicates it from, well, 100 hertz to 20,000 hertz, flat EQ curve. So this looks perfect for all kind of life situations. There's like this... What's that called? Wedge design, so you can basically put it on the floor and angle it towards yep. your ears. Mm -hmm. uh, Hundred watts power, class D power amp design, and yeah, you can connect your model via jack or XLR. And on the cabin itself, there's a volume resonance and presence control, so you can fine tune it just a little bit as well. Weighs nice, fourteen point two kilograms, so it's not super light, but not super heavy either. And, and it's what does it cost? Two thirty nine at Toman. That's very very decent. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. There's a lot of companies making FR FR cabs for for modelers and for other things, but of course Harley Benton is going to be the winner in the price value yeah. segment. There, it looks like a yeah. solidly built thing from the images that we're looking at right now. Yeah, maybe not. The most inspiring design ever. But then again, it's an FR cab anyway, so maybe it's not. It would be interesting to find out if this is a Harley Benton design or if this is just an OEM thing with a Harley Benton logo slapped on it. Hmm, that's very true. Yeah, not sure if we can find that info right now, but it's there. Uh, yeah, I could maybe see myself getting one. Actually, like if I'm 
start getting a lot of gigs where I need to play guitar and I'm going to use my Podgo, for example, this could be a great option. Uh, kind of like to try this out, like what's the experience, like having an amp in a room with a cabinet versus having a model lab plus this. That would be a fun test to do. Yeah, I think it would be a very interesting comparison, yeah. Yeah. So, looks cool. Need to see if I could get my hands on one in the near future. And something else we kind of mentioned in the intro, and I found this through 60 Cycle Hum Facebook group, and they were discussing this. Line 6 DL4, so the legendary green delay unit, has finally been discontinued. That thing came out in 1999. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> they've been selling it for this long. Uh, I gotta say, it's a great unit. I think I remember seeing that on Edge's sort of board, like not that long ago in some rig rundown video. Yeah, you see the DL4 on so many famous guitarists' boards. It really, you know, it was one of the figureheads of delay and has been ever since really and now of course everyone is able to use the majority of the effects from that unit in their helixes and in their pogos <laughs> some of them are in there as well i think yeah yeah but yes kind of kind of sad that the physical unit is discontinued but on the other hand i guess at some point products just come to the end of their life cycle does that mean there yeah. will be another an updated version i don't know there is that other line of Line 6 pedals, the M Stompbox modelers, and there's like an M5 mm. and an M9 and an M13, and they also have all of the effects from all these older Stompboxes in. So, yeah, perhaps they've just decided to stop making it. Yeah. That's actually an interesting question whether they're going to release like an updated line because, um, I, I mean, they probably could like update the buffers and like the signal routing without like destroying the sound of the unit itself. I don't know if people would actually be interested in that. I don't know. Because as you mentioned, you can get those sounds from your Helix units as well. Yeah. Well, the uh, thing is, I quite often see these DL4s and the other units from this era, from that range, on local kind of used markets, and they sell for quite a lot of money. Yeah, and I guess too. that price is going to go up and up and up now if it's been officially discontinued. So, so there is a market out there for people buying it, whether or not it's just people with nostalgia who want to try something old school, or whether it's people who originally had one and it broke and they need to get another, for example. It could be that, but yeah. I don't know. But there's people out there buying them on the second-hand market, that's for sure. Yep. Yeah, it's just, it's always sad, but also like, it's 2022 and it was released in 1999. So that's quite a run for a digital unit. So Yeah, it's done pretty well. And I mean, oh, those yes, effects, indeed. they still stand up today. Yeah. Like we're hearing like recreations of those effects on other units now. So not only it was like a great unit, but it also influenced a bunch of other units to come. So that's cool. Yep. And. Yeah, before we talk about some other things, a word from our sponsor. This Cat Pick Friday's episode is sponsored by How Songs Are Made and the brand new complete rock and metal songwriting course. 
How songs are made is created by a good friend of the show, Trey Xavier, who is probably best known for his Gigaguts YouTube channel. If you ever watched this channel, you know when it comes to rock or metal songwriting, Trey knows what he's talking about. Whether it's his cover songs, random drum groove songwriting videos, or his song critique live streams, Trey has helped countless of songwriters to get better at their craft, and now he has put all of his knowledge into one beast of a course called Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting Course. And by complete, I mean complete. Here are some of the things you'll learn in this course. How to write a song starting from any small bit of an idea. How to generate inspiration from nothing. How to use tension and release to structure your song for maximum impact. How to add layers of vocals and harmonies. How to write guitar riffs and create variations for each part of the song. How to write melodies from chords and chords from melodies, even if you have zero music theory knowledge. How to create drum parts that move the song and do not get in the way. How to write catchy, memorable, and emotional lyrics that grab the listener. How to become a prolific songwriter through songwriting philosophy and mind. Now is the time to take that next or your first step in songwriting journey and put those ideas in your head into reality. To sign up for complete rock and metal songwriting and support Catholic Fridays, please use the link in the show notes. Happy songwriting! And we are back. And something I want to say this is interesting. Kirk Hammett announces his first solo EP called, called Portals, and the four-track instrumental EP lands in April. Um, do you have high expectations for this EP? <laughs> I know I'm laughing, but I'm kind of curious. I actually have, I have no idea what to expect from it. You know, I, I've never been hugely into Metallica. I don't dislike them at all. I just have never really listened to them that much. And I don't really know what Kirk does in his spare time. The one thing I can say from a gear perspective is that he bought the Greeny 1959 Les Paul. So I'm wondering if he's mm. got it a blues direction or something. Probably not. I've really no idea. Um, I would have hoped for vocals. But, you know, mm. instrumental guitar music is always a harder sell, isn't it? I'm excited yeah. to listen to it. Though I have to say, he's a great player and he comes across very well in all the interviews that I've seen. So, yeah, it's an open book for me. I realize mm. that I've just talked for 30 seconds and said nothing, but, you know, I think I'm that's setting how myself to work. move into politics in the near future. So, it'll be perfect for a political career. What about that, you, that, Brad? Yeah, Are you that, excited for it? Well. I'm very curious because Hammond describes it uh, oh, like he mentions that this music was created with what I describe as an audio cinematic approach. They're soundtracks to the movies in your mind. So, uh -huh. whatever that means, uh, I'm definitely going to give it a listen. So, why not? Oh, uh, there's some more descriptions from the release, uh, which I'd just like to read for you now for anyone who doesn't please. have this. Stop, stop moving the screen, go back up. Go back up. I'm looking at your screen, Vlad. Go back up. 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 Stop. They describe <laughs> the EP as a collection of gateways to myriad musical and psychic destinations recorded in multiple locales ranging from Los Angeles to Paris to Oahu. Portals is both the result of musical and metaphysical journeys, an invitation to inner worlds accessible only by music and the psyche it fuels. 
I still wow. have no idea what the EP is going to sound like. But I'm guessing it's going to be ambient. Yeah, my fear is like it's ambient background and it's like noodling on top of it, like guitar noodling on top of it. That would be terrible. But that's a possibility, unfortunately. <laughs> or Do it's you something know? like actually cool. Yeah. Do you know off the top of your head if members of Metallica in the past have a history of drug use? Because um, a lot of this sounds sure. like LSD to me. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm about not, the drugs. Uh, I know, like, yeah, I'm yeah. not suggesting anything here, but it sounds <laughs> yeah, I like mean, between sixties. I mean, it it does definitely, and I think, like, I know they've had a lot of like alcohol troubles in the past. Yeah, there's definitely been alcohol. Sure, but, yeah, yeah. Um, well, alcohol is a drug, kids. <laughs> that is true as well. I mean, I'm curious. <laughs> It's yeah, me too. April twenty third, record store day. Yeah. Good day to release yeah. it. Definitely. And I mean, yeah, I'm sure. I, I wonder why across the world would be interested. Yeah, it, it, I wonder why it's taken this long for him to release anything. But because I know he he has written a lot of songs for Metallica as well. Like he he is an actual songwriter. But like, why did it take him? I don't know, thirty, forty years. To release I feel something? like. Again, without any kind of external or prior knowledge, I feel like there is the possibility there that during the the pandemic, when everyone was at home, Kirk ended up in his studio and got creative. And judging by the, the press release that we've seen here, he perhaps started making new sounds, making ambient noises, and it started fueling this, uh, this bigger stuff in his head. And that's what's maybe led to this EP. Yeah, yeah. I I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, I don't have high expectations, which means I could be like actually positively surprised. We'll see. Well, if you don't have expectations, at least you won't be disappointed. Let's look at it That's like that. True. That's true. I want to build up a little bit of hype for this one, but we'll see. And. I was about to say, speaking of hype, but not really. But there's a cool and very English-style article on musicreader.com. Uh, English says that what I did was I took the entire guitar playing technique, threw it out of the window, and applied violin technique instead. I added the word instead, but that's that. And he says that my classical influence does not come from from other guitar players, let's make that perfectly clear. And I, I whether what he's saying is true or not, I think it's interesting. Like he does talk about a lot of his influences in this article. I think it's an interesting read, and he pretty openly talks about like Richard Blackmore being one of his heroes, and then also kind of applying those classical artists onto his playing. He's also a huge fan of Genesis. He mentioned that that has been his, like a huge inspiration for him. But when it comes to like classical influences, it's 100% from Johann Sebastian Bach, Antonio Vivaldi, Nikolai Paganini, Tchaikovsky, Mozart, and so on. A lot of the stuff that I used to play during my classical piano studies, especially Bach which is kind of proggy, a lot of his stuff at least. Um, he also loves 
Uli, John Roth, Richie, yeah, Richie Blackmore, Billy Gibbons, Angus Young, Brian May. And it's really cool that he's praising all of these guitar players. I like Yngwie really comes off as like a very arrogant guy. <laughs> uh, it's kind of his thing, like a very what's the word, brash. Uh, it's cool to see him like actually give like credit to a lot of guys. Yeah, and, that's nice. Yeah. So, Do you think but he's then, a character? Uh, oh, like is he absolutely. playing a character, or is it just him? Uh, it's a good question. I think he, I, I I fear that he's been playing the character for so long that it has actually become him. <laughs> That's my conclusion of it. <laughs> like he, you have to kind of be a character to do what he has been doing, but then like when if you do it long enough, it kind of becomes part of you as well. I I think. And besides being an interesting read. What's super interesting is there's a demo called Powerhouse. Like, it's a fairly low quality album from 1978, where he's playing, and he recorded that at the age of 15. And holy cow, he can play at the age of 15. I could play like. Some basic rock and metal stuff at the age of 15, barely. Yeah, I think when so, I was 15, I was learning Nirvana and Green Day songs. Yes, pretty much. Something like that. I think I was playing like Rammstein songs because they have like very nice, simple riffs in drop D. So, yeah. Uh, I highly recommend you check out the Powerhouse clip. Just like a tiny bit because... I think in that one you can really, really hear like uh, Deep Purple and all those influences he's mentioning here earlier. I don't think he like directly mentioned Deep Purple, but that more like that album is a bit more hard rock. But then there's some like random Bach here and shreds in the middle as well. I listened to the first fifteen minutes maybe of the album, so yeah, be sure to check it out. It's an interesting read, very English style read. And also the old recording is super, super cool. You kind of, like, anytime I listen to Ingrid, I always forget how ridiculously good he is. Like, he's on such a different level from all the other shredders. That, yeah. Much respect and a lot of entertainment as well with that guy. And yeah, he's never boring. Let's let's give him that. I know a lot oh, yes. of people find him very divisive, but he is never boring. Yeah, I mean, in that, interviews, that's one thing. I mean, his music is sometimes boring. I didn't say that. But, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, I think his music is like some some of the foods. Like if you, it's cool to have those every now and then, and they're super tasty for a little while. But if you eat too much, it kind of loses its kind of greatness or something like that but I'm getting like a really bright light from my window on the background I'm having my holy moment something like, I don't know something like that and from Ingvi there's something that I don't think I've ever seen Ingvi play Gretsch has released the full 2020 lineup Electromatics and Streamliners and if you're watching on YouTube this look fantastic these look really great. Yeah, very lovely, blingy, lovely, sparkly amazing. finishes. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, this is the what? Well, this is the electromagnetic, right? Should I do like yes? So yes, those are the electromagnetics. Yeah, there's a still of a finished one with a slightly like a bigger body and a Bigsby. Really nice. There's a left-handed version, something that we're going to talk about again later in the show. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Lefties are happy. Another cool kind of traditional orange colored grudge with gold hardware. Another Bigsby. Electromagnetic classic. Hollow body double cut. Looks nice. It's a cool... <clears throat> Oh, it's a 12-string as well. Something like that. It's a very niche thing, but I'd love to have a 12-string electric guitar. Not sure I can just throw out 1,200 euros for that, but if I had the means, sign me up. That looks cool. This one looks cool as well. It's a lap steel guitar. I've always it's wanted like a, a lap steel. Yeah. That looks, it's like a block of wood and then there's a fretboard and pickup glued onto it. Looks great. <laughs> uh, that one is 569 euros. Electromagnetic jet baritone. Okay. That got me interested. What? 29.75 inch scale length. What? There's like That's a mini a base. Neck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird, that's like borderline bass to me. Nice. There's, Any pricing on uh, these? No. Uh, actually, no. Oh, oh, there you go. So there's a hardtail and a Bigsby version. Imagine having like that as a Bigsby version. A baritone that's with kind a Bigsby. Of cool. That is yeah. cool. Hardtail version 699 and the Bigsby version 819 euros. That is cool then there's the electromatic jet black transparent finished single cut with a stop tail that finish looks amazing it's beautiful yeah, yeah. beautiful wood grain cool guitar uh, what 609 euros and there's a left handed version available as well which is a tiny bit more expensive but it's in a J grey metallic finish Sorry, jade grey, not J. Jade grey. I don't know what jade grey means, but some sort of grey, I guess. Again, all of these look so, so good. There's a bass. I've never seen like a rich bass being played anywhere, but I guess they play bass. Or like do bass hey, the, is um, the 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 guy from Royal Blood was... Ah. Sort of the guy who repopularized Gretsch basses because he played one of the very cheap, I think, Streamliner models back in the day, back when they were fresh and they broke out real fast. And, you know, Royal Blood are a pretty decent alternative rock band, no guitar player, just a bass mm. player making a bunch of unique and weird noises as well as some pretty hardcore riffs. And yeah, he was playing a bass that I think cost around £200 when they first started oh. and hit the big time. And yeah, he's since moved on, of course, to more custom shop standard instruments and he's played fenders and all sorts since then but um yeah i think they really helped popularize the the, the gretsch affordable bass yeah uh as the official 
representative of all things English. Uh, why are the colors called Bristol Fro- Fog and Imperial Stain? Frog. <laughs> I don't know about Imperial Stain, but Bristol Fog refers to the fact that Bristol is a yeah. city in the southwest or the, the Midlands West, kind of just south of Wales, and it's on the coast. There's a big estuary there for a river, and there is a lot of fog there. And I guess Bristol fog is probably like a, a dull grey colour. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't want to confirm that though without seeing it. Yeah. Kind of doesn't sound that exciting, but maybe it is actually really beautiful. Uh four fifty five euros. That's actually very affordable as well. Oh, there's a yeah. shell pink option as well for that base. Shell nice. pink. Gritch base. That that's kind of Cool. I kind of have a feeling that will sell well because it looks cool. We need to look at the Gretsch website because with Shell Pink, as we know from recent episodes of Cat Pick Fridays, you can, there's Shell Pink and then there's Shell Pink. Do you remember some of the the squires that we've seen that were Shell Pink and then some of the Harley Bentons, for example? There is so much difference, so much variation that you can have within the Shell Pink name that you don't know. It could be a washout. I'm going to go on the Gretsch website and have a look. Please do. Meanwhile, I'm going to talk about the G26-2020 streamliner. So like a double cut with a hard tail. Oh, sorry, cut V, stop tail. It's cool. So there's that. And a streamliner center plug, junior double. So like a double cut with a Bixby and a semi-hollow. Again, looks nice. Like most of these prices actually are well, way more affordable than I thought. So the Streamliner, the Stoptail V1 is $589. Then the other one we just mentioned with the Bixby, $649. There's a Streamliner Junior Jet, which is uh, their take on like a Les Paul Junior, I guess. Cool looking retro design. And this is in Shell That's Pink. That's the Shell there Pink. Pink. Yeah, that, I think yeah, that's that, that, that shell pink. Yeah. Oh, cool. It, Gonna copy that one. Let's check it out as well, because we can. Yeah, I think that this is consistent with the base color or like colors. Yeah, that's shell pink. That that's looks a nice cool. shell pink. Yeah, it's very retro. I like that. Kind of a single cut-ish design on the base. Nice. Oh, this looks also cool. I kind of would love to have something like this. Did I just open the picture separately? I did. Uh, how are these volume... Like, What are these tone controls? How do they work? There's like a volume and tone, but one is like close on like the lower horn. So is yeah, that the volume the, and is that... I'm guessing which one the... Is which? It's actually hard to know because on some of the other models like the the White Falcon or whatever, you do see one on the lower horn and that will be like a master that has control over everything else. Mm. So you have one volume control that controls everything else. But I I actually wouldn't know what this one does. I mean, perhaps you have, I don't know, a master volume there on the lower horn and a master tone Maybe. in the standard place, but it it's hard to know. Yeah. Again, this is... 440 euros. What? This is very affordable. And they're also 
I, I don't know if I could say they're entering the acoustic guitar game, but I remember seeing a lot of uh, Gretsch acoustic guitars. And they're doing the thing that everyone is doing right now. Like the acoustic guitar comes in like something that looks um, like a sea foam green, black, and then shell pink again. Oh, sorry. Black, mint, mint metallic or shell pink. 669 euros and this is basically in direct competition with the uh parlor sized or parlor sized guitars that PRS recently released. These are like direct competition to that, which makes me suspicious who leaked the PRS releases to Reg or vice versa. So I think both companies have like exactly the same colors. Yeah. It's an interesting one. I mean, the the other thing is these colors are popular at the moment. Yeah. Maybe because they all the companies are. are building their guitars in the same colors. But um, Shell Pink, for example, has been, the past couple of years, it's been sort of a, a hyped up color. I'm not really sure why. Where did that originate from? Is it a John Mayer thing? That's just my first guess yeah, for everything these days. I don't days. think so, because like, I think, I mean, probably him playing like shelping Silver Sky like took it to the next level, but I think it's been around for a few years now already. I wonder where it started. Yeah, I mean, shell pink is a, a vintage color. That was around decades yeah. ago, but I just wonder who who brought it back a few years ago because, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, I don't think many guitarists would have been seen dead with a shell pink guitar, but these days everyone wants shell pink. Yep. So it's an interesting yeah, maybe one. it's like a, some sort of like natural ro rotation of things. Like shelping used to be on a lot of guitars. Then it took some time. We wanted some other kind of guitars, and now we're back to like pastel colors, I guess, yeah. or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like it if and it's now, actually shelping, unlike my Harley Benton on the wall over there. <laughs> yes, that's the thing. Which this is, is a not real shelping. Based on yes. the photography, this is a real shelping. But yes. now we come to the really well exciting stuff. Yes. The then there's the G6229TG G Limited Edition Players Edition Sparkle Jet uh, BT with Bigsby and Gold Hardware. Yeah. Is that a real model? It's a though? very oh, they're expensive. beautiful. Yes, very beautiful, very sparkly Gretsch. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Three, well, 3,200 euros, basically. 299 US dollars, uh, 2,770 pounds or so. Look really cool. If I had yeah, this amount the of money to spend on boys. a guitar, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah, I, I mean, would when spend you've got it that on much Rich, money. But yeah, I mean, you have many other choices once you get up to that budget, but these have great specs, yeah. of course. They look fantastic, oh, yes. and they have Tim Shaw-designed Broadtron pickups. Ooh. So they're going to do that Gretsch thing, and they're going to sound amazing. Yeah. But yeah, maybe one day we should do a an episode where we discuss what we, we would do at certain budget points, because this one, you know, 3,000 euros, 2,800 pounds, 3,000 dollars, there are so many options there. And mm. I think specific kind of players want to have a Gretsch. And I think for a lot of people, a Gretsch is like a certain type of guitar. You know, you might have a Les Paul, yeah. a Tele, a Strat, and a Gretsch, 
for example. But yeah, that's a, it's a, it's a lot of money for something super cool, but nevertheless a bit niche. Yeah, I like the episode idea though. Like we probably could do like a whole show like guitars, amps, pedals. They're not maybe maybe not maybe, but yeah, I like the idea. And this shell pink bass is two ninety nine US dollars. That's crazy affordable. It's good it coming is. in it March. Looks, they say by the way, looks a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Something else that looks kind of fun. Solo guitars <laughs> have been adding these, I guess, blood spatter finishes. Yeah, and from shell pink, vintage looking <laughs> to bases <laughs> to blood spattered solar shred machines. Uh, what would a band sound I, like where the guitar player had one of these and the bass player had a shell pink Gretsch bass? That's what mm-hmm. I really want to know. I mean... With Gretsch basses, I've seen those in like all, almost all of the music styles. It you could get some, you could probably get some like cool, unique sounds from heavier stuff with those Gretsches. Not sure if I would like to use any of these solo guitars for something more traditional, though. Well, hey, I Especially suppose you combine this, finishes. combine this with Royal Blood, and you have Royal Blood spattered, and that just works. Yeah. I kind of like this, but kind of don't. This pink one with kind of black spatter all over it. Are I guess these, it's a thing like... Are these new yeah, models right. by Solar or are these existing models that have been given the blood spattered finish? I think it's new finishes with already okay. existing models. Because these look very kind of traditional Solar guitars. Again, I have played for you at NAMM 2020. And I was really impressed. Like if I would get like a proper metal guitar, I would ser- seriously consider them because they're not like affordable, affordable, but for twelve hundred US dollars or so, you're getting a killer guitar. Especially if you yeah, get great specs for the for, price. Yeah, especially if, with like Evertune and stuff like that. So and comes with and Duncan yeah. Solar pickups and stuff like that. Yeah, these blood spattered finishes—they are very much for the most metal. Of metal yes. people. And I mean, if you look at the V-shaped guitar, like this is so pointy in all of, like, both the horns and the headstock are incredibly pointy. I don't know how you transfer this, like transport this safely, unless you have, like, a hard case or, like, a very, very tough gig bag. Yeah, presumably, like, you end up getting blood naturally on a guitar like that because you're just bashing into and stabbing random people <laughs> and animals as you as you try and move around. Yeah. The finish on this guitar, by the way, is called Army Green Open Pour Cannibalismo. What? Cannibalismo. What are these words? Okay, that's a color. Nice. I mean... Ola has been doing really, really well with his guitar range, and I think this is like a natural progression of the whole thing. Kind of crazy to think about, like him being a YouTuber, but then now running a very successful guitar company as well. Really cool, I think. Actually, he's been really smart. He's done well. Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. 
from guitars to pedals, native audios, new rising sun, V2 offers vintage amp tremolo. We're checking out the Gear Gods article. And uh, indeed, it is a tremolo. That's meant to sound like all, not all amplifiers, but the tremolo on your vintage amplifiers. Have you tried this? The V1 or V2 version? No, I haven't, no. Nope. Yeah. I would like to. Uh, tremolo is yeah. an effect that I don't often use, but occasionally I'll get into the zone where I'm using kind of a bunch of reverb and tremolo together and you just get this really nice atmospheric clean tone. As in yeah. the old Fender amps that had reverb and tremolo on them. It's it's a really nice sound. It is. I kind of want to have a tremolo. I think I'm just, I'll just have to get this Strymon Flint again. I used to have it and it's... It is just, that's the perfect tremolo for me. <clears throat> Unless, maybe it's this one. And I, again, have some issues with releasing version 2 of the same pedal. I'm kind of getting more and more annoyed by that. And maybe this is a hot take, but we've been getting comments from our listeners as well that they bought a pedal and then two months later, version 2 or 3 or something like that was released. And their pedal feels not obsolete, but outdated. And I hate that. I I really, is, really don't like that development. Yeah. Is there a difference between the V2 and the V1 here? What, what's been added? Is it mentioned in the article at all? Uh, not 100% sure. Yeah, I don't think I see anything about what was changed. So, yeah. Probably, so, apparently it's not like a huge change from the first one, but still kind of annoying. Yeah, this is the one but big advantage that you have if you buy a modeler, because if you bought a Kemper yeah. Profiler years ago, you're still taking advantage of the free updates that those guys are making for it. If you bought a Helix, you know, we've just covered those massive updates and you get all that for free. But if you if you buy pedals and you bought the V1 of the Rising Sun, for example, and you wanted, you know, to have the V2, you you would have to move on your V1 because it's now become obsolete in some ways and and finance mm. the V2. It's definitely yeah. a different way of doing things. And it is interesting that more companies seem to be now doing this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm personally not that happy with with that, but let us know what you think. Version 1, version 2, do you care? Or is it something that annoys you as well? And cool release from TC Electronics. Uh, bucket Brigade delay, basically. And looks fairly simple for controls. A switch that allows you to add modulation. And I guess everyone listening and watching probably knows the bucket brigade delay thing. It's an analog delay with some modulation. Uh, I, I guess Pink Floyd is the most popular reference to that sound, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Looks nice. Uh, was there any info on the price of the thing? No, interesting. But yep, right TC Electronic... $69. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
almost not throwaway money, but almost. That's very, very affordable. But then yeah, again, I mean, they're owned by Behringer nowadays. Exactly. So. That was what I was going to say. TC has moved into that price bracket since the takeover. Yeah. This is a pedal that I would still like to try. I mean, you know, yeah, I've played True. a lot of TC pedals over the years. They have made great delays in the past. There's no reason why this one shouldn't sound really good either. Yep. The design looks cool as well. I like that a lot. So, well done. Yeah. And as we promised, we get a list. Because who doesn't love lists? Best Electric Guitars 2022 are pick of guitars to suit all budgets. And obviously this is provided by musicradar.com. And very exciting. Right away. Yes, indeed. Right away, I'm going to spoil something. Actually, I'm not going to spoil something. We're going to start from the top, number one. Uh, I don't know if this is like, if, if number one is just the absolutely best budget friendly guitar or just are they just listing them? It looks like, the, look at the red box there. This is the best electric guitars under $500 or pounds. So they're uh, doing it by budget go. group by the look of it. So it seems. And number one is the Yamaha Pacifica 112V. Yeah. HSS yep. Strat type. This has been like probably the most recommended like budget-friendly guitar for many years now. Yeah, they're just really, really good guitars. They're perhaps yep. not the most inspiring. You know, actually getting yeah. a Squire Strat would be a more inspirational buy, but I don't think you can go wrong with a Pacifica. Every single yep. one that I've ever played has been really, really good, you know? They play well, they feel good, they feel like real guitars. They just do the job. Yep, yep. and for probably 300 euros or so, it's not like super affordable, but I think within a reasonable budget for most beginners, I'd like to think. So, yeah. Wait, is sure. the 112 should be cheaper than that, I think, shouldn't it? Oh no, they say three hundred dollars. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> or maybe they. I thought you could like, get a Pacifica for about half that price. Maybe those days are long that's gone. Probably <laughs> some other version. Then yeah. that's even cheaper than this one. Yeah, three hundred for beginning guitar. Yeah. Oh no, there's a left-hand version available as well. By the way, for those who are wondering. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's new? I don't remember seeing, like, we've talked about this before, but this is probably the first Harley Benton I remember seeing on this music radar list, which is weird. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't had fusion in these. Yeah. But number two is the Harley Benton Fusion 2HHFR Roasted FNT. Uh, yeah. A humbucker, single coil humbucker guitar with a tremolo, bunch of switching options, 24 medium jumbo stainless steel frets, Roswell Arnica pickups. Um, otherwise, I'm going to say yes, this is great, except that the uh, Roswell pickups are very hot. So, unless you're wanting to play rock or metal, stuff like that, a bit high output for my taste. My opinion is with Harley Benton guitars, I've preferred the ones with Roswells over Teslas in general, excluding the Aeolus model. But yeah, I mean, Harley Bentons are always kind of marketed 
on internet forums has been the perfect modding platform. And if you think about yeah. the rest of the specs that you've just listed that you get for this price, what is it, 350, 400 euros or dollars? Yeah, something. It's like incredible. You could spend another 100 or 200 to get a great set of pickups to put in it and you'd have an incredible guitar if you can live with having the Harley Benton brand name on the headstock, which increasingly, I believe, more and more people can. Yeah. Uh, there seems to be some sort of mistake on the in the article, though, because in the specs they mentioned that it has a... F- Floyd Rose tremolo, but the first picture shows like a two-point floating tremolo, yeah. but not a fr- Floyd Rose. So yeah, that's the wrong guitar the Floyd... in the picture. Yeah. So because the, type, about the, the guitar's Floyd Rose model guitar, is HH, and this is a two-humbucker guitar. The yeah. guitar in the first picture is an HSH with a different yeah, model Yeah, so this number. first picture is that's wrong. wrong so guitar. actually, I'm going to disagree with this article then because I don't want any beginner to have a Floyd Rose. Just no. Absolutely no. That's a good point. I mean, if if it's if it's literally given to you and it's set up and ready to go, then you can play it for a while. But as soon as something happens, as soon as you need to train, change a string or you need to do a bit of TLC to it, yeah, Floyd Rose nightmare, nightmare for a beginner. Yep. Good point, lad. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. So I am going to disagree with the article a little bit. Number three, the Rich G2622 Streamliner. Yeah, a bit of retro of a choice, but why not? It looks great, and if the kid you're buying this to is into this kind of looks, I think this will probably be a great guitar to start with. A bit yeah, 100%. bigger, like body size-wise, so that might be an issue. But otherwise, a solid choice, I think. Build-to-price ratio is very high, they say, so that's cool. And Square Classic Pipe Stratocaster is number four. Yeah, absolutely. Makes a lot of sense to me, at least. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of cool color options as well. There's showing a sunburst here, but there's... Uh, Lake Plus is blue, candy apple, red, and depending which one you're getting, like, yeah, there's a bunch of color options as well. Uh, classic wipes are actually like even like, first of all, it's a bit more expensive because it's for, for 450 euros basically. But classic wipes are like borderline professional quality instruments to me. Like, they're just really good and you it, they're easy to modify if you want to upgrade something on them in the future. But as a beginner guitar, that's actually a killer thing. Like if somebody has a budget to get that for a beginner, nice. And number five is Epiphone SG standard. Would you take the SG standard or like a Les Paul standard from Epiphone for a beginner? I believe that. Actually, I don't know what I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost my that belief in everything. I, possibly, yeah. No, but I think that the SG standard is a a great and aspirational choice for beginners because in some ways it's easier to get to grips with than a Les Paul because it's going to be more lightweight, it's going to be easier to, to hold and the cherry red SG, if you're into rock guitar, it just it screams Angus Young on rock and roll and I yeah. think he's still a massive draw so in that sense yes overall yeah. 
me personally, if I was picking the overall guitars to recommend, I would probably go with a Les Paul over an SG, but nothing wrong with an SG at all. And my first guitar was an Epiphone SG, so... Oh, there you go. There's the proof. There's the proof. Yeah, now we're jumping to the 500 to 1,000 pounds price range. Fender Play Stratocaster. Yeah, definitely. Apparently they're really good. Haven't tried any myself yet, but I believe other people when they say these are good. I've tried a few in stores and actually not been that happy with any of them. Oh. Um, this could be the case that, you know, they're sat in a store and lots of other people have played them and not necessarily yeah. treated them that well, but they've also, you know, it's, they've been super heavy. Almost all of them. Oh. I, I don't particularly like really heavy guitars and all the ones I've played have been really heavy and all the ones I've played with either Pal Ferro or Indian Laurel fretboards, you know, the Rosewood replacement boards, mm have been very dry and almost scratchy to play. Yeah. So that's been a, a bit of a disappointment for me, and I've preferred the Maple Necked versions that I've got to play. But yeah, I mean, of course every new guitar benefits from having a setup when you buy it, but yeah, me personally, I've actually, in pretty much every store I've been in in the past couple of years, which hasn't been that many, I've preferred playing the Squire Classic Vibe guitars over the relevant Fender Player versions. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'm yet to try one out, so I, I don't know, but... Okay, yeah, I agree that the, if the guitar is heavy, that's kind of, that's a down point for me, or like a negative point. Uh, number seven is a Pyrrhus SC Custom 24. Yeah, sure. SC, Pyrrhus SCs are great guitars. Yep. Again, a bit different visually. Look at the headline there. The best electric guitar if you want to do it all solid body. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting point. And again, I would be tempted to suggest some kind of a Les Paul there. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends. Maybe they are leaning towards the fact that it's more versatile because there's like partial coil splits, a probably vibrato and yeah, great range of tones. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Number eight is Chavel Joe Duplantier Pro Mod San Dimas. Like a straight up rock and roll machine with hard tail. It's a, for those who are listening, it's basically a telecaster shape and there's block inlays on the guitar, two humbuckers, two pneumatic bridge, and tailpiece. Yes. Nice. Why not? They also say that pickups are tastefully powerful. But it doesn't have a tone control. <laughs> Who needs that? What is it? Is that a tone control? No. Who needs a tone control? I don't. It, it says it in their minus points. I was just reading oh. the minus point. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like, it's, it's really weird to complain about it because it's a signature guitar and he clearly doesn't need yes. a tone control. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Ep yeah. Number nine, Epiphone Les Paul Prophecy. Yep. Why not? It's a bit of a left field choice for me. I mean, if you're looking for yeah. more metal themed Les Paul, sure. But what about the 
the newer Epiphone Les Paul customs, for example, That's I feel true. like they would be a more sort of universal choice for a list like this. Oh yeah, and it comes with 24 frets. Weird. So yeah, it's definitely more... Well, they call it the Les Paul's evil twin. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. It's It's the evil twin version of that. So... Yeah, they mentioned that non-metal players might want to go for standard. Yeah. Uh, then number 10, Ibanez RG550. Yeah, yep. an absolute 80s shred machine. Mm -hmm. Yes, 1,000-ish euros or so. <clears throat> so, yeah, for some people this could be a really cool guitar. Tone Little Versa, astoundingly speedy, play speedy playability. A faithful reboot of One Shred's most iconic guitars. Yeah. And not for players who prefer Thick and X. Yeah. That I can agree on. Nice. Number 11, LTD Easy 1000 Evertune. So the single cut LTD 1000 range is like very, very high quality. It is 1500 euros though. I think Evertune probably adds a few hundred on top on that price compared to yep, the for sure. standard version. But then again, apparently Evertune is just really, really good. Still haven't tried a single guitar with it though, so just guesstimating here. And I thought the article ended, but no, there was just a long fried up. Uh, number 12, Fender American Performance Stratocaster. Another Strat with a jumbo headstock, all the 70s headstock. Looks cool. Again, is this going to be the only Fender Strat that we see in the plus 1,000 category? Because again, it's... I'm going to uh, guess not, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, th this is the most affordable that they do for over a 1,000, but still, mm. there are better Strats out there for sure. Yep. <laughs> Reasons to avoid limited color choice, I guess. <laughs> yep, sure. The number 13, Guild Starfire V. Nice, 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 nice. Let's go with that one. I really don't have anything to say about it. It's a cool semi-hollow thing. Yeah, seventeen hundred euros. euros. Have, That's quite a lot. They've really shot up on some guitars, haven't they? It's. <laughs> uh, okay, number fourteen, Gibson Les Paul Junior for fifteen hundred euros. This is an interesting choice. Perfection in simplicity. As they say. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm a massive fan of single pickup guitars. You know, they just seem to have an extra, a different kind of mojo to them, you know? So yeah. they are cool. But again, what, what's the name of this poll? The, the best guitars in the world? I mean, the Gibson Les Paul so Jr. Best, is best a best surefire for classic. But yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it was like best guitars for 2022 or something like that. Okay. I'm interested to see what the negative point is going to be. Oh, 50s neck, not for everyone. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Blue has a 1956 Les Paul Jr., the real thing. That's got the biggest neck that I've ever played on a guitar. It's gigantic. It's basically like yeah. trying to get your hand around a tree to to play on. So if the 2022 model is anything like that, for me, and I think for a lot of other players with kind of normal-sized hands, it's it's probably going to be too big. Yeah. Uh, number 15, Pierce has a hollow body to Piezo. 
Uh, okay. And these look Very great. In- Looks great. Interesting choice. Well, there's yeah, like again, a Piera slash Ella, Ella Bax Piezo in it as well, which probably sounds yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're going for here is that ultimate versatility again. Yeah, don't forget, this is an SE model. So although we're up past oh. $1,500 and euros, we're still looking at, is it a Korean-made model? I'm I not think sure they're Korean-made. Yeah. <laughs> reason to avoid. doesn't sound as good as regular acoustic. <laughs> ah, these lists. Well, what did you think? <laughs> oh, man. These lists are so much fun. Uh, number 16, Fender American Ultra Telecaster. 21st century Telecaster. Uh, what makes it so unique? Medium Jimbo? <laughs> Medium Jimbo frets. Jumbo frets. Uh, ultra noiseless vintage daily single coils. Yeah, that's the is reason that what for makes... me why this is an interesting choice for their telly of choice because what a lot of people say about the ultra guitars, the tellies and the strats, is that they have noiseless pickups and therefore don't really mm. sound like tellies and strats. Yep. Yeah, and there's the S1 switching system. I think you can get like humbucker sounds from that and stuff like that as well. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Reasons to avoid? No, vintage mojo here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't think you call anything vintage uh, sounding ultra anyway, so. Number 17, Gibson Les Paul 70s Deluxe. Interesting. Uh, so I've never seen this model mini before. Humbug. Sorry? I've never seen this model before. Me as a neither. reissue or whatever, and we've not discussed it. Oh, that looks cool. I love the old mini humbuckers. Deluxes with go. the mini humbuckers. Yeah. Sign me up right away. I mean, it's a nice uh, 2,200 2, euros, but still, that's actually kind of cool. So, yeah, I would be interested to see if that's one of the 70s ones with like. Uh, different woods to what you would expect from a normal LP and even if it has a thinner body or anything like that fingerboard mm. is single bound Indian rosewood it does it say what the body's made of one piece mahogany. mahogany with a carved plain maple top okay yeah so very classic setup overall I like yeah, that what, why have we never heard about this guitar before when did that come I out I don't know I have no idea and they're not saying this in the article either Nice. Not as <laughs> plus reasons to buy. Not as expensive as we thought. Nice. Okay. Uh, then number eighteen, Gretsch. Well, White Falcon, basically. Yep. That's a thirty-seven hundred euro guitar. So quite a lot. Why not? Why not? Is my answer to everything. Looks cool. Sure, I guess. Uh, yeah, they're huge, one white falcons. Really, yes, really they're physically gigantic. big to play. Yeah. yeah. They're mentioning that the big body, not for everyone. Okay, yep. yes, I guess. But it's a classic. Uh, Gibson ES335 figured so I gorgeously finished 335 with the proper like flame maple top. You can also get it with a popular... 
Oh, it's a three-piece maple poplar, maple figured maples up. That looks amazing if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah, if that I had is the a money. lovely maple top. Yeah. Yeah. I guess beautiful. that's what makes it figured. It's exclusively yes. to do with the top. But yeah, beautiful instrument. That's Indeed. the kind of guitar that I personally sort of aspire to. Yeah. Same. If, if I had the money... Like to blow, buy one like really expensive guitar, I would go for something like this because you know it's going to sound good and it's it will be one of those things like when you pick it up every time you're you're like happy you got it. It doesn't have to be like the most versatile or anything like that. Just like a really cool thing to have. And number twenty is a Pierce Macari five ninety four. So it's basically Pierce's version of the. Single cut guitar. Except double it's cut. a double cut guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's a double double cut, so it's like you're more comfortable, less Paul sort of thing. I think internet is full of like Macarty versus Les Paul comparisons. They don't sound exactly the same, but close-ish. I guess. Yeah. Nice. Bunch of different finish options on, on it, by the way. So the price is also thirty five hundred. Uh, euros. Oh, I think they were supposed to add a euro here, but they're writing it as a dollars. But yeah, yep. thirty five hundred euros. Not cheap, they say. There you go. An interesting list. What do you think? Are these the top yeah. twenty guitars for twenty twenty two? Let us know. <laughs> it was very vintage oriented. I'm just gonna say. And. Uh, I also feel not all the genres were kind of covered, but it's very debatable what's best for anyone. So, yeah, let us know what you think. Do you agree, disagree? Write your comments in the comment section on YouTube. And next, what we want to do is to answer some of your questions and comments in a section that's called just that. Questions and comments. I am so very funny today. Yeah, question number one or comment number one comes from Quicksilver. He comments on the Square 40th anniversary edition. We're going to cut a clip from the show, talk about the 40th anniversary guitars that we really, really liked. And he mentions, and of course, yep, you guessed it, no lefties. Yep. Sorry oh, about really? That. There aren't any lefties. If that's true, kind of crazy. I mean, Squire, you would assume they do everything in lefty as well. You would think so. Or at least one or two of each major type. Exactly. Oh, that sucks. Weird. Thumbs down. Sorry. If if that's true, yeah. Sorry to hear that. And the next comment is also from Quicksilver, and he says... (laughs) Uh, comments on the Guthrie Govan Sinjigita. We'll talk about the caramelized versus baked versus cooked versus boiled maple necks or whatever they terms were. <laughs> says there's a caramelized bacon at Tesco and caramelized popcorn, which is also delicious. Also, it looks like the guitar weighs more than Guthrie himself. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Well, All the points. Yeah. That is a delicious uh, comment by Quicksilver. Yes, and perhaps I've we s- should send some 
caramelized bacon and caramelized popcorn to Guthrie, which would solve all of those problems. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's mm, the caramelized bacon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And one more from Quicksilver. He was on fire lately. He, he was. commented on the previous episode, actually, I think, um, about the World of Sario thing. I expect that from Muwa, Joyo, Nuex, Alpha, East Manufacturers, that release a product and abandon in favor of the next thing. I didn't expect that from Walrus. I was considering giving the ACS one another shot, but now I'm very skeptical of them pulling the rug from underneath and releasing the ACS2 with XLR out and effects loop immediately after. Yep, somebody shares my annoyance with this version 2 thing of the pedals. I'm completely fine with somebody releasing like a pedal and then doing maybe like a deluxe version of that, which is something that Wampler does, for example, I think quite hard. That's cool. But basically updating the ver like when you release like an updated version of the pedal you have had released uh, like let's say two or three years ago, to me it kind of says that you didn't like fully, fully design it properly the first time. Like that that's an impression you could take from companies doing that. I I don't like it. And actually it's a really interesting point from Quicksilver because to twist that round and listen to it from Quicksilver's perspective as well, it's like what Walrus has done in this context is actually putting Quicksilver off from purchasing their pedals in future because Yep. Quicksilver is going to be saying, okay, I'm, I'm quite interested in the ACS-1, but you know what? I'm probably not going to buy it because I expect you in six months or within a year or two to come out with the next version of it and mine will be then obsolete and old news. And that's something that I totally understand. Yeah, so it's an interesting point. Like... And I wonder if that will start to affect how some companies do things in future. Hmm. Yeah, and if any of the companies doing this are watching, let us know what are your reasoning behind this because as a consumer, I feel a bit annoyed, to be honest. And it's something that I would love to discuss with someone who is actually doing this kind of stuff. So let us know. And next one comes from another long-time viewer. Paul Leonard Ewing uh, comments on previous Catholic Friday's episode. The stop tail piece with fine tuners on the BB King was very common on many Gibson guitars. Uh, on Les Pauls in 70s, is SGs and such. I think he had another comment. Uh, let me check. Like Ah, yeah. Basically, yeah, there's like a fine tuning option on the tail piece itself, which is weird mm-hmm. and interesting. I personally had never seen that before. No, be neither. Then on that. Yeah, on that BB King Lucille model they announced last week, they have that. It looks that's, interesting. That's really interesting, though. I watch a couple yeah. of other YouTube channels where they kind of specialize in looking at older Gibsons and stuff, and I just don't ever remember seeing one of those. I mean, Paul yeah. must be right. I've seen loads of his comments, and he's basically always right. <laughs> so it's it's surely true. But yeah, I guess you and I, we both learned something from this. So thanks yes, for the nice thank comment, you, Paul. Paul. We both learned something. Yeah, there. much appreciated. Uh, then the next one comes from my friend Alexis, who's part of the Catpick Studios Elite group in Facebook. If you want to be part of the Elite team, you can find it on Facebook. 
send in your application, so to speak, and we'll approve you there. Uh, <laughs> he was the one that asked for a favorite black metal artist some time ago. Uh, and the conclusion, I guess, was that we didn't have any because we're not that well-versed in black metal stuff. And yeah, he's asking again, like, do we have any new phone funnies on black metal? Uh, I'm going to say no, personally, though. I did listen to a couple of black metal songs yesterday. I was, I was going through Apple Music, like some like new metal lists, and there was a few black metal songs. I can appreciate it as an art form, but it might not be for me. I guess. Yeah, same for me. I you? went through all my, you know, playlists and looked through some of my old Last FM and stuff like that. And black metal just doesn't seem to come up there for me. I guess it's just a genre that I've never looked at. Uh, the one band that came up a couple of times, which I think falls into the black metal banner, would be Emperor. But it's mm. you know just a band I've heard a few times and never really got into that much. But one epiphany I sort of had on black metal was that maybe we should get Joss Allen to come onto the show and educate us in all things oh, black yes. and extreme metal. So maybe we could do that. That is a great idea. Because he yeah, lives absolutely. and breathes that stuff. If you look at his Instagram yeah. page, you can tell because you can't <laughs> read any of the logos of the bands that he features on there on t-shirts and stuff. So you know it's going to be yeah. heavy. <laughs> yes, if you can't read the logo, then it's true black metal, I think. Maybe. Um, yeah, also he's asking, like, what's the ultimate all-time best single-cut guitar for $500 that you've played? He's having a major gas for LTD Easy 256 FM in Lemon Drop. That's actually a very, very solid choice for a single-cut under 500 mm, I feel the LTDs in that price range are actually, like... The quality, based on every, all the guitars I've tried, is more consistent than on Gibsons, for example. So a very solid choice. Uh, the neck is probably not for everyone. At least when I had my LTD 1000 or EC 1000, the neck ended up being way too thin. It's a very kind of thin U-shaped neck. And now there's a preferred thicker necks. Um, I don't know, maybe I would go for an Epiphone? I was going to say, I just, I just looked around and coincidentally right next to me is my 2014 Epiphone Les Paul Traditional Pro, which, you know, this Ooh. is a spontaneous answer, by the way. I haven't had any thinking time, but this costs 330 euros with a hard case in 2014. What? New, and it's an incredible oh, guitar. It's one of my top two alongside my telly. Great Epiphone humbuckers, which are splittable, rosewood board, satin neck. It's awesome. Grover tuners as standard. Lovely, lovely guitar. Um, and it does pretty much everything. It's on my YouTube channel a lot if you want to hear it. Nice. And yeah, I would pick that any day of the week. But again, we talked earlier in the episode about doing our favorite guitars at certain price points. Let's also mm. discuss single cuts under 500 because that's a great category and something that I'd like yeah, to think more great. about as well. Yeah, and there's... Uh few Harley Bentons that I've tried that definitely fall into yeah. that category. I like yep. really like Prospect. Uh, though the, one of them that I have demoed on the channel was very LTD-like. <laughs> so yeah. there's that as well. But yeah, a great question. We'll probably have to come back to that one at some point because... Yeah, because yeah, what, um, what about Squires? You know, what about double humbucker equipped Telecasters? 
there's definitely options yeah. there as well. It also depends on what kind of music you want to play. I mean, if if Alexis yeah. is thinking about playing black metal, he probably doesn't want a Tele Deluxe or a Tele Custom or whatever. But <laughs> it, it's very possible. Uh, ne- next one also comes from him. Ah, oh, sorry, that's a bit small print there. Let me read it over here. So uh, he also asks. Who are our biggest influences when it comes to singing? And then there's also a comment about uh, rock lyricist, like who's the greatest rock lyricist in your opinion? And I have an answer, like for the question number one. Do you have this is like, this is that, amazingly deep questions for spontaneous answers? I can come up with a few off the top true. of my head. Which I'm probably forgetting. But again, these are things that we should dedicate more time to in a future episode. Mm. Vlad, you said you had an answer to the first one. Who would you say? Uh, I think probably like right now, my biggest influence would probably be Miles Kennedy from Alderbridge mm-hmm. slash his band, his solo stuff. There's just something about his singing that resonates with me. It's a bit over the top sometimes, but I kind of like that. So there's like this kind of seventies, uh, not Jimmy Page. What was what's the singer of Led Zeppelin? Robert <laughs> Plant out right now. Yes, like kind of, some kind of Robert Plantish type of thing in his vocals. So he's one. Uh, I love Devin Townsend just from the fact that there's such a gigantic range from like super soft ambient thing to full-on screaming and amazing operatic vocals. I don't know if I can sing like Devin Townsend, even remotely, <laughs> or most likely I can't, but it's just, I don't know. I I think the common theme here is like huge dynamic range. And though I also did like, I also like Scott Weiland, Weiland from uh, Velvet Revolver and other Stone Temple pilots. Like, there's something really cool about his. Like, he has a very limited, vo- like, like, had very limited vocal range. Yet, feel like he could do so much with it. Still, so yeah. that was cool. So those yeah. are my answers. I think actually, in a way, mine is similar to yours because a lot of the ones I'm going to say are going to be people who have great range although i guess that is also one of the aspects that makes a great singer and also these are not going to be people who sound like me in any way but captain beefheart don van vliet what an incredible vocalist and what what a way to use a voice and he had an incredible unique voice as well chris cornell i've never been a huge fan Mm. of soundgarden or audio slave or anything like that but he is an incredible sorry he was an incredible vocalist and an incredible performer and otherwise, when it comes to singers for me, I pick people who who write the melodies and also the lyrics that I prefer because I'm massively into lyrics as well. And so mm. the three that kind of just jump out at me spontaneously off the top of my head now would be Brian Fallon from the Gaslight Anthem and Brian Fallon solo stuff, Frank Turner from Million Dead and Frank Turner solo stuff, and Matthew Kors, who is the frontman of a band called Nada Surf, an indie rock band. Ooh. Those are probably the top three off the top of my head. And in terms of lyricists as well, those three also figure really highly in my kind of lyrical inspirations and heroes. But that's something we have to speak about in more detail. There's definitely yeah, we people get, who when, I'm not thinking of. 
Yes, of course, Freddie Mercury when it comes to vocal inspiration. That was one name I wanted yeah, to absolutely. say. Just an incredible singer. Yeah, Alexis, I think we're going to use this as a like an idea for a segment in future episodes because the, like it's too much to do as a quick answer here. Great question. We're going to come back to this at some point. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for that. Great so questions, much. great inspiration. Really looking forward to the discussion, actually. Yeah. I like the fact that we have, have this cool community of people like commenting, giving us like, we are learning stuff. We're getting ideas for new things to discuss on the show. Love that. And before we wrap up this week's show, something that you should definitely watch this weekend in the segment called Weekend Watch. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. It's not like you have anything else to do. Yeah, this week's Weekend Watch kind of... I'm clicking the wrong buttons, by the way. Kind of reminds us of something we checked out. Was it last week? Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Two weeks Jim ago, Lil yeah. Jim did the, yeah, two, the Tone Wood test thing on his channel. And he's back. <laughs> We just like before we started shooting, we discussed whether he's kind of riding the wave or something like that because he has another test called "Where does the sustain come from in an electric guitar?" Again, he goes uh, crazy deep. Like first of all, he discusses what is sustain and whether it's actually like desirable in any way to begin with, which is I think it's a fair question as well, mm -hmm. and then. It, goes into great detail like figuring out so what actually makes the guitar sustain uh, I'd say again it's the stuff that you wouldn't think of and if we scroll down further in the video he again starts building some crazy things <laughs> it's just like he's standing on the guitar at some point to figure out whether that increases the sustain as you do, obviously. So, and then he ends up like drilling holes and adding like all kinds of stuff in, into a parts caster. This looks like very interesting. A... Yeah, I haven't watched this, but <laughs> yeah, the the bit that you're just showing now, I saw that on Instagram, where he's basically <laughs> got like a kid's paddling pool and is covering a guitar with glue. So that did kind of yes. pique my interest. So that video is on my watch list for this weekend. But yeah, yeah I mean, just to go back to the result. Yeah, please don't. But just to go back to the one we watched two weeks ago, we picked up on it really early within less than a day or so because I subbed to Jim Lil and I saw the video and we said it would go big and it's now on over 600,000 views. So it's amazing how that has gone around the guitar community. It's on all the forums. It's on all the internet sites. It's done really, really well. So congratulations yep. to Jim Lil for coming up with an original and unique and uh, decent idea to do on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, he seems to be like more than fine with all the comments he's getting because he probably knew what he was kind of getting into. So yeah, absolutely. Nice as well. I wonder how many of these ideas yeah. he's got because we did the uh, we had the tone debate. Now we have where does the sustain come from? I suspect that this is part of a series that he's been planning for quite a long time. Yeah, and I think uh, at the beginning of this video, he's actually mentioning that this idea for this video kind of came from the comments on the previous one. The oh, really? Oh, okay. One, so. Okay, there was well no done. planning so at maybe, all. 
Yeah, so like people are probably like scripting this this for him. I just like wonder like it's been only two weeks when since the previous video came out, and he's already done a second one like this. So I guess he has a lot of time on his hands because <laughs> this looks like what what he's done here is like very labor intensive. So thank you, Jim Little. This is really cool and interesting. Yeah. Be sure to check it out and let us know what you think of the whole thing. Uh, I personally don't care that much about sustain as some people so seem to. So it's a bit different, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that wraps up Cat Pick Fridays, episode 50. 50 episodes of this madness. Crazy, crazy stuff. We're not that far away from the one year anniversary as well. I need to check when it actually is. I think I mentioned that last week as well, and yet I still haven't done anything about it. <laughs> but yeah, we'll let you know when it's <laughs> Cat Big Friday's anniversary. <laughs> uh, we, we'll try to celebrate it in appropriate matter. Manner? Matter? Something like that. I need lunch, I want to say. Thank you, Rich, once again for joining. Likes, share, subscribe ways to support what we do in the show notes as well and yeah we'll be back next week for some other new stuff and as we do here on Big Fridays bye podcast bye podcast <laughs>